Yo, this is Ali Siddiqui. You listen to the Straight Hustling Podcast. These boys out here hustling, man. All right, this is Straight Hustling Podcast. Dick Darren on the mic. We got my boy Money Mike and Stu on the corner over here. Stu's in the corner like always. What That's are you doing in the corner? Live. You know, when you do as much cyber stalking as I do, the corner is the best place for you to be. Ooh, don't get it on you, Mike. <laughs> I'm trying not to. All right, we got a good comedian coming up here. We got Ali Sadiq, a funny guy. Really looking forward to him coming on the show and kind of telling us about his life and how he got started. You guys ready to talk to him? Let's oh, yeah. do it. Yeah, it's an honor for him to come on straighthustling.com. You going to talk to him about the whole UGK from Texas? Yeah, I kind of wonder what it's like for him to hang with them rappers from down south. Oh, yeah, Mike Jones. Mike Jones? Who? <laughs> All right. We got Alice Deke. Let's give him a call. What's happening? Hello. Hey, Alec. Hey, how you doing, brother? Oh, great, man. Man, it's great to talk to you, man. Uh, how's Houston right now? Cold, man. Unusually cold. That's cold everywhere right now. We're in Nashville right now, it's even pretty chilly. But, man, I got myself, and I got my uh, partner here, Mike, and I got Stu. How you doing, Mike and Stu? Hey, what's happening? What's up, Ali? How you doing, brother? Hey, uh, I wanted to ask you how you got started in comedy, if you can kind of tell us how all that happened, and were you always funny? Oh, um, I hadn't always been... <laughs> Funny. I don't think I'm funny now. Oh man, maybe come on. maybe you're more interested in the funny. <laughs> um, I actually kind of two ways can say it. Um, basically, I got started in in prison. Basically, you know, um, just talking about the things that were going on in the prison, and you know, that's basically my beginnings. Of waking up every morning, um, I remember the first thing I ever said that people found that was funny in prison. I, I um, came out to cell early in the morning. Everybody was in the day room getting ready for breakfast. I guess it was one of the mornings where I just felt like everybody was uptight. And I don't know what it was. I just walked out and I said, hey, man, I don't know why. Y'all frowning. Ain't nobody going home today. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, what? Hey, man, ain't nobody going home today. We know it. So, you know, let's not start off like that, man. Let's just get that clear. Ain't nobody going home today. It's the weekend. Nobody going home on the weekend anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Um, not from prison. Not from prison. Well, <laughs> nobody get out on Saturday, man. <laughs> I mean, what they say. It might be 5 o'clock on Monday morning, but not Saturday. Not Saturday. We're just going to assume you're in there for uh, insider stock trading like Martha Stewart. Man, more like pharmacy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that like your first day when you first got in there? Oh, man. Um, now, it's, it's different phases of 
being incarcerated. You know, you have different first days. You know, it's not one first day like it would seem like your first day of college. You know, that's pretty much it. This is one day. You graduate from high school, then you know you're getting ready to go to college. In prison, you have the, when you first get arrested, and then you go to the county. The first day you're in the county is different from the first day of being in prison, being in an actual penitentiary. The, um, the county in Houston, it was, um, it's, it's called, everybody knows it as, um, 1301. Everybody knows the prison in Houston is 1301. And 1301 Franklin. And it's a, it's a floor that's notorious on the street. So this is how bad this floor is. That when regular people that's never been to jail has heard about the floor, you know, like this is not the place you want to go. It's called the, it's the 10th floor. Everybody knows it on the street as the gladiator floor. And on the gladiator floor, you know that you don't want to go to a corner tank. You want to go to an open, uh, open tank. You don't want to go to anywhere in, that's the corner because the corner tank has two sections and the guards can't see you in the back section. So anything can happen to you back there. So you don't really want to go to a corner tank. So you, you in line, in the lineup and you sitting there, you hoping no matter how tough you are, I don't care who you are, no matter how tough you are, you just don't want to start off like this going to the 10th floor. So you're standing there, and it's all these big guys, man. I'm, I'm probably the littlest dude that's there. I'm 5'7", and maybe like 123, 122 at the time. Um, But I'm a street dude, so I'm fairly tough. So, But I still don't want to go to 10B3 or 10-nothing. I don't go anywhere on 10. The man is, he giving all these people their floors, four, six, nine, eight. He gets right to me and say, 10. <laughs> I, said, I said, wow. <laughs> and, and, and it's kind of like the feeling that I had when I was in middle school. And in middle school, you, in, in the South, they, they had positions, you know, the normal point guard, shooting guard, forward, power forward, center. But in middle school, it's you are one, two, three, four, or five. I'm five, two. In the eighth grade, I'm five, two. And everybody's taller than me. And the man gets right to me and says, five. And I said, what? <laughs> A center? I'm five, two. And like, that's the position you're going to play. And I said, and, and this guy tapped me and said, that means that you, you not, you not on, even on the, you on the, you on the lower B squad. Like, it's, it's like you got the A squad, you got B squad, you got the people who come in after the B squad. They just don't give you a name. That's why I played that. Into the, cause the coach didn't like me until I got to my original position as a point guard. And I should have been in the pros, but we, that's another story. That's another <laughs> podcast. That's <laughs> next. So, uh, so I'm on, I'm on 10 and I'm standing in the, in the hallway and it's the craziest thing how people try to test you where you stand there. I'm just standing there and they give you this awful sandwich 
that's like syrup and peanut butter mixed <laughs> together right in the middle of a piece of bread. It's awful. And I'm standing in the hallway, and this guy comes up to the bars, and he say, yeah, that's him. And I don't even know what this means at the time. And this other guy saying, yeah, I thought that was him. That's the guy who slapped my sister. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, here we go with this game. Trying to see if I'm going to you know, be scared. And all I turned around and said, well, I guess we're going to see what you're going to do about it when I get in there. And that's, all I, and that's all I said. And I really had no problems after that. That's one. That's when you first get to the county. Then they transferred me to a transfer unit, which is the walls. And the walls is as closest to slavery as you can possibly get without going back 400 years. It, you get off of a bus, you shackle to a person, another person. So if the person, it's like me and you shackle my left arm and shackle to your right arm. So if I have to go to the restroom, you have to go with me. And God forbid that you have to do number two. Oh, that does not sound like a good on a, <laughs> on a On a bus. <laughs> <laughs> you know they stand outside the door. Man. So you going and I'm sitting on the sink while you going with my hand chained to you. You know this is this is this. So you get off and immediately when you get off they unshackle you and then they start to screaming and pushing you like cattle. You go this way. You go. You go this way. So you really kind of like man, this is crazy. You don't know what really is what's going on. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a it's a lot. It's real busy. You're really trying to protect yourself. That Your whole mindset is just make sure you protect it. So they put you in this gated area, like a, like a hog pen type thing, and they tell you to take off everything. So this is when it gets difficult for me. Um, it's guys, everybody's just stripping their clothes down. And I'm really not comfortable with this part of, of the process. You know, put me in another room. <laughs> with, you know, let me take my clothes off by myself. <laughs> and so now I'm in a I'm in a room, and then let me let me give you the picture of this. Uh, I'm in a room with maybe three hundred other naked people. And we all smashed together, and I'm not liking this at all. And I'm, and I'm kind of bulldogging for my space. I don't want nobody in my space because y'all don't want nobody close to me. I don't know what y'all may think this is, but it's gonna be some problems. And now I'm here, and I'm willing to die for respect. And I think people think that prison. Like, you go, and it's guaranteed that you're coming home. And in this and in this, in this instance, you realize, I may not make it out of here due to me having to stand up for myself as a man 
and not let anybody do anything to me, whether they have on a uniform that's the same as mine or a different uniform. I'm going to have to risk myself for respect in this place. That's the first day you realize that's the first day that you're there. Induction, induction into the prison is a, is a eye-opening experience. Like, man, this is, this deep. This is, this is way different than what they show on TV. Yeah, I was gonna say, I never saw that on Locked Up. Nah, that, that's the, that's the part where they shave you, they shave your head and cut everything off and, and they put the man, when a, when a person puts their finger, run their fingers through your mouth, you really want to bite their fingers off. Like, man, I just told you I didn't have nothing in my, in my mouth, man. And I'm talking. And you see, I'm talking like a regular person. It's, it's no different than you talking, but they want to run it. They want to, they want to take your manhood yeah. from you. And so you have to, you have to determine what you're willing to do at this time. Because you're going to take some beating. You're going to take some skin. Something's going to happen. You know, this, this is what you prepare your mind for. You have to prepare your mind for prison. Wow, man, that's crazy. Physically, you, you mentally have to be prepared because if you don't, the things that you're going to see, things you're going to encounter, what you're going to go through, whether it's your fault or not your fault, this is when this is what's gonna have to keep you sane. What about where you're at? Where do uh, most of the races are they like separated or are not separated like all together? But do they kind of like stick together and like you don't associate with the other races? Or how's that work in Houston? Uh, you you have to you have to associate, but you really just take care of your own. You take care of the group of people that you with. Cause you're gonna need a group of people. Yeah, you're always. There's no way around it. And now, people, people can say Mexicans have the best, some of the best organized, and let me not even say organized. They have some of the best camaraderie amongst Hispanics. And in, and in that, in um the South, it depends on what region you're from. You know, as far as Spanish are concerned, you know, either you from the city or you from the valley or you from you know your original actual person from Mexico. You know, you 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 ask you different different things, so you hang with that particular group of Spanish people. So with with white guys, they hang with maybe just a lump of white guys. All of them may be from different places. Mm-hmm. Black dudes hang with people from where they're from. Like whether you're from Houston, you hang with Houston cats. And within that, you hang with not just somebody from Houston, you hang with somebody from your actual side of town. Whether you're from the north side, south side, southwest, you know, where you're actually from. You know, somebody may be from Third Ward, so you just hang with them because they from Third Ward, they from the same neighborhood as you. 
Dallas and Dallas and Houston really didn't get along, which I, which people said I don't understand that because they both in Texas. Well, hey, wow, that is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Memphis and Nashville don't get along in jail here. I can tell you that. What you say? Uh, Memphis and Nashville, they have kind of a uh, you know in prison uh, rivalry. They don't don't hang with each other. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Every, everywhere. Well, man, we're uh, we're glad you're done with that part of your life, and you're really out. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not much prison on the road uh, in them comedy shows, is it? Nah, the only the only prison is is you know you your only your own restrictions, what you comfortable saying. That's the only prison that's on the road. I know you tell a lot of different stories and stuff from being in prison too. So. You know, um, what's what's odd that in most in most of my act. Not even my act. Most of my my show, I really don't even talk about prison. It's just every blue moon, I get the urge to tell a story about what I went through in there, and then it would be caught on tape, and then it would be put out, and that'd be a story that somebody would just gravitate towards. You know, like Bill Burr, he he um gravitated towards the story that I did on um. It got put out on YouTube about why I psychologically can't go to the restroom without noise. And he was like, it was hysterical to him. And, and <laughs> then I start, you know, people would ask me, like, what does that mean? And I'm like, you, in your, in your mind, this thing that you don't think that affects you. And then to, to it happens. And you see, it's like the smallest thing affects you. Like, that's a real small thing. Out of all the things that I guarded myself, you know, from in prison, I would never think that that would have came back to haunt me. What I still something that I can't get over going to the restroom in total silence. I wish I could. Yeah. I want to. You're going to have to play our, our podcast shows when you're going to the bathroom from now on. Yeah, I gotta play something, man. I gotta turn, I, I, I usually just turn the water on. So when I go in, I just turn water on and then I'm fine. But, oh man, I wish I could just walk in one day and just silent. It'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, I understand, I understand where you're coming from. I had a little bit of stint when I was young and it, you know, it sticks with you and I think it's meant to, you know, because you, you learn your lesson from it and you move on in life. Yeah, man, and you you try to move on. Well, yeah, you, you try, you try, you try to get best to move on, and people still bring it up, man. You like, man, I was, I was twelve. They like, I don't care. <laughs> you still was a hoodlum. Like, <laughs> I stole gum at twelve. You like, man, they don't, they, they. So some things just stick with you, but you get a, you get around it. You tell, you tell friendlier stories and better stories about learning about plants. And, you know, having kids and, you know, skiing and going to a mud, a mud fest for the first time. Like, yo, man, this is what I've been missing. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things <laughs> I noticed about you, man, is you're a good storyteller. I saw you on TV and, uh, I contacted you to like, uh, you know, last year. I like to go see a lot of stand up and, and go see different comedians and stuff. So I saw you on TV last year and I remember I shot you a message and said, man, I want to see you in Nashville. And you were like, well, Get me at Zany's, so I shot them a couple emails, and uh, maybe we can, uh, we've been talking to Zany's a little bit. We've had some comedians on here from Zany's, so hopefully we can get you here and see you live, and that would be really cool. 
Oh man, I would I would love to come here, man. I, um, Nashville is a great place. I've been all over Tennessee, Memphis, Nashville. What's the place where I was in? I was in a hotel that I never seen before in my life. I was in a hotel and I was getting ready to do a show, and I saw people pulling boats up to a stadium. That's uh, Knoxville, like, Tennessee. This is crazy. Yeah, that's Knoxville. And I and I and I went back to sleep, <laughs> only to be, on I'm coming only to be waking up by I don't know how many thousands of people singing some god awful song. Good old Tennessee. Yeah, you were, right. you were, what is this song? You came to, you came to Knoxville. Like this. Yeah, you, you came to Knoxville in the middle of a Vols game. I hate it for you, brother. Good Lord. That's just oh, another. Oh, my goodness, man. That's just another one of your scars in life, man. It's a cold. They pulling boats up. Oh, man. Who does that? That's the Vol <laughs> Navy. You're talking about the Vol Navy now. It, it's, it gets crazy down in Knoxville. You got 108,000, 10,000 people in the stadium. You can hate the team, but man, just experience that craziness. You know, hell, they're taking, oh, they're taking, they're taking boats to get there now. Come on. Yeah, they have a blast. Rocket top, man. <laughs> Rocket top. Hey, win or lose, you're going to hear that a thousand times in Knoxville. So you take win that Win or lose, they waking you up to, I thought, <laughs> you know something? It's like it was a ghost town when I woke up. I, I thought I was in the twilight zone because I woke up. All I hear is the Rocky Top thing, and I walk out the hotel. I don't see anybody, and I know I walk way down the street. No people on the street. Everybody was in the stadium singing Rocky Top. <laughs> when were you? In, <laughs> when was that? When were you in Knoxville? It was like seven, eight years ago. Oh, okay, cool. Man, you should have looked me up. <laughs> my, my, my kids' first words were Rocky Top. So, man, you've done a lot of a lot of shows, a lot of different people. You got anybody, uh, any comedians that you really uh, like uh, like to hang out with and and do shows with that you just really enjoy? Man, the my favorite, I'd say, because you know, I like everybody for different for different reasons. Um, DL is really cool to hang out with when you really in that informational mode where you really want to learn something and and bounce off ideas and he just wants to have go to dinner have a glass of wine and smoke cigars so hanging out with him is super cool but when you want to have fun and just be wild and kick it bill bellamy is probably one of the funnest guys man what about when you was hanging with uh bun b he's one of my favorite rappers what was it like hanging around him Man, I, I met Bun in the street years ago. Me and, me and Bun have a love-hate relationship. You know, he talks about me, and I talk about him. You know, he, now he's trying to work out. I see on his Instagram, he's trying to work out. I'm like, really, you still going to be bald-headed no matter what. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hope he hit his podcast, too. Yeah, Bun, I said that you're semi-bald on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, get him on here. Man. We'd love to have yeah, him. Yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of him. Yeah, we've seen him some messages. Yeah. But, you know. When I run into him, I tell him, 
And so he and I, I'm gonna put it on my Instagram because I know him and his wife follow me on Instagram. So they hear me say that he's still chubby and semi-ball. I don't care what he's doing in the gym. Oh, yeah, so. You know what he's doing in that studio <laughs> ain't playing. How close were you to being in uh, UGK? <laughs> What'd you say? How close were you to being in UGK? Not, um, like me and you was about running neck and neck. We wrote, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't close to being in UGK. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I, one, one, I can rap, I can rap only in my mind. And two, I, I'm, I'm not built for that life. I want to be a rapper. Yeah. I would rather be an R and B singer. <laughs> now, if I was, if I was, I should audition for Jodeci. I wanted to be in all the boy bands, all the boy groups. New edition. You know, I would have loved to be one of the um, Five Heartbeats, one of the Four Tops. I would be in any boy band, one of the Whispers. I mean, any of them. Um, average white band. I'd have been in that group. I would dang sure been a Doobie Brother. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> if I could have been anything, I would have been a doobie brother. I am a doobie brother. Oh. <laughs> I am a doobie Oh, man. You, man, you done done something to me, man. If I could have been anything, I would have been in the doobie brothers. Oh, no, or the true. BGs. Oh, yeah, that would have been good. I'd like to see that picture. Come on, man. <laughs> Who don't like the BGs? <laughs> If you don't like the BG, you don't like small children, puppies. <laughs> the BG, oh man, every man feels sexy listening to the BG. I'll tell you. Oh, you're Saturday gonna strut Night too. You're gonna strut listening to Saturday Night Fever. You got to the BGs. I saw the. Uh, there's a big show coming up. The tickets go on sale on the sixth. It's got a uh, Bill Billmy, I think, and uh, Charlie Murphy, Mike Epps. A lot of them are coming here to. Nashville, you need to try to squeeze into that show. Man, I wish these promoters, you know, they they eventually they eventually get me. You know, everybody comes in these seasons, and I really, I kind of, and I, I don't know, I don't even know how to sound, but I would rather stand up in my own boots. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to come. I don't want to come, and no, and I'm not saying it's disrespectful, but I know people come on tours all the time together as, you know, as a group, letting everybody see them as one, you know, and I would like to do it. But I would first like to, you know, stand in my own shoes, you know, just come by myself yeah, and yeah. set out a theater so people that can really experience what I, as a comic and as a, as a thinker, you know, my point of view on things. You know, every everybody is it's, it's a lot. It's millions of topics out here, and people can cover them. You know, I, and and I take this from having sitting down having a meeting with a guy, this um this Jewish guy who's a uh, uh, real heavy into politics, and I and I sat down and did a lot of research with him, and went over some historical things with him, and he had maybe twenty four different books on JFK. Which one is the best? That's what I was sitting there thinking. Which one of those books are the best book on JFK? But he had 24 different versions. He read all of them. Same person, same topic, 24 different out outlooks. 
24 different views. What the hell's wrong with him? You know, he, he's a histor he's a historian. Oh, yeah. So oh, okay. there you go. what there what is. what happens is this: the investigation of anything ties the true story together. So it's it's three guys, you know, on one end of this phone and myself. So there's four people on this phone, and if somebody was if somebody was doing an interview about the experience of this interview with, between the four of us and they called each one of us in at a time, we would have different experiences. We would have different tales about the same event. You know, what you thought, what you felt, what was interesting, what was not, you know, what did you feel when this was said, you know, and we would have four different outlooks on the same topic. So this is, and then somebody would read all four of them from, for, from four different perspectives. Oh, yeah, that's a trick you know? right there, yeah. I hope and so, listen to it. That's going deep. He's talking <laughs> about us four. Yeah, I know. So, I was going to say, I said, I hope somebody listens to us four, you know what I mean? You got to talk about us three because he doesn't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> that's why I'm You here. know, and then somebody somebody want to hear, then what about the guy who said they don't know what he's talking about? <laughs> who he talking about? I don't know what the hell I'm talking about either. <laughs> that's what they've said since I've started this. They wonder what the hell I'm talking about. Well, I don't know, so it doesn't matter, right? Man, that's the that's the brilliance, man. The people who people don't know what they're talking about. That's who I think about what they're talking about. Like, what, does he, what does he mean? I know what he was saying. Okay, it's got to be something in there, you know. And like I say all the time, man, crazy people seek me out and they tell me information, and I and and I tend to live by the information that they give me. I was walking in the store. This guy stopped me, and I before I said, I was about to say, man, I don't have no change. And he was like, I don't know change for you. And I said, well, what you want? He said, I want to know where you going. I said, no, I'm going to you a stranger. <laughs> and I said, I said that like I was a child. I said, man, you're a stranger. I don't know you. <laughs> He said, man, said, then I said, it's none of your business. And he said, I'm going to tell you what is my business. I said, what? He told me I was his business. <laughs> I said, I'm your business. He said, yeah, let me, give you, let me give you something, brother. And I said, give me what? He said, never fear. Let me tell you. Never fear man who knows a thousand moves. But always fear a man who knows one move and practices a thousand times. And I went in a store, I came back out, and I rode down the street, and I kept thinking about what that man said to me. And I was like, what did that mean? Because he, he, for some reason, he said it to me. What does this mean? And I put it together that I can't be scattered in my brain. I can't be all over the place doing a thousand things, never focusing on one, never really sharpening my knife, never really putting anything together, never really completing anything, just knowing a little bit, a sample of everything, never mastering nothing. That's right, yeah. So if I master something and I practice it and I keep practicing, I know how to do, I know how to perform this skill a thousand different ways. You have to fear me. 
you have you have no choice. Like with any with anything that we've ever liked in life, Jake the Snake, if he gets you and he DDTs you, you're out of there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if Mike Tyson caught you with that six inch uppercut, you're out of there. It's always a, it's always a move that you don't want to get caught with with anybody. You know, so that's the that's the one that they know the most about. That one, that one move. Ted DiBiase will put you in the sleeper. All the Van Eggs put you in the claw. <laughs> All of them had it. One move. One move. We've been talking to a, a lot of uh, MMA fighters lately. We had Ken Shamrock on here, and he we all asked them kind of what was their what was their move, and they all had their kind of signature move. Well, no, Ken said whichever no. one was good to him. Yeah, but he said the leg locks. He had oh, yeah, yeah, locks. I think it was Boss that said whichever yeah. one it presented itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, these, these fighters, yeah. they're amazing to even step in the ring like that. They blow my mind, you know. I mean, and what you do, you got you got to have balls of steel to step on a stage, you know what I mean, and try to make people laugh, you know. I mean, it's not a given that they're going to laugh. you got to make them do it. That's yeah, the nice it's, um, it's the thing with me that because I'm, started in prison, not saying that that's what people should start. Um, <laughs> no, definitely not. No, no, not little kids at home. Don't go to prison so you can be a comedian. Yeah. So it was just a thing that if I can make people who didn't have anything to laugh about in their mind, then people who are here with everything, like I know when I was just saying, I know an audience, they probably never heard a comedian tell a whole audience, hey, we are here together. You are a part of this show with me. And you you got to play your role so I can play my role. You the audience. You eat, drink, laugh, and I talk. Everybody got their role? I say, because guess what? I'm not eating, I'm not drinking, and I'm not laughing. You doing that, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the talking. Where was you at? And I was doing I was at Crackers in Indiana. Was there a lot of Crackers in Crackers? No, it was, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I literally walked out. It was so many white people. This was hilarious every night. I walked out and I sat down in the chair and I would look up at the sign and then I would look at the audience. <laughs> and they got it every time. <laughs> they were so quick. They were so quick. They got it every That's time. Awesome. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Well, I've been banned from saying that on this show. I was so glad you got to come on here so I could say that. <laughs> yeah, we got a list of things he's banned from saying or doing. Yes, it's a long one too. Let me you uh, you you married at the job and at home. No, <laughs> banned from doing. I, I can I, I catch it at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, it's it doesn't matter when. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. So How long y'all been together? Oh, man, we've been friends for a while. We just actually started this, you know, uh, right around January. I was sitting around, had a few too many drinks, and I was like, man, I can do this podcast and shit. Let's start getting some people on here. So I started shooting out some emails, and next thing you know, people started showing up or started saying, yeah, you know, we're ready to do your show. And I was like, shit, we don't have a show. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we've got some really cool people come on. We had uh, Killer Bees, and we got a... Uh, a bunch of MMA fighters that came on. We actually had a, a guy named Charles Patrick that came on. He's got a thing called Pull Your Damn Pants Up Challenge. It's about 
uh, people sagging and stuff. He came on. That was pretty cool talking to him about that. And had all kind of people coming on. It's a trip. We got a uh, Ralphie May coming on, and so oh man, you guys are yes, that's one of the Houston guys. Man. Yeah. So we've been blessed so far, man, to really get some talent. We've had Phil Valentine. He's got he's real popular. So uh, another guy we got coming from California. He's ever heard of Reverend Jesse Peterson? No, not right off hand. I'll look him up. Yeah. But I'm here because I'm here now because he's coming on your podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you and, know that's man, that's fantastic. Just the motivation of you know, I mean, that's the that's the freedom of life being able to just decide that you don't up and do something and just take a chance and then have somebody, you know, to support you and be motivated with you. Hey, let's do it. Yeah. You know, and that that let's do it attitude, man, is you can't you can't you can't buy it. I wish they sold it in in A T V or some sort of store. I buy it by the gallon. <laughs> but, no, that's right. That's the thing. He said, we didn't even have a show. We woke up. <laughs> we can do it. And got the equipment. Now you're doing it. Yeah, man. We got a lot of people listening. It's just gone crazy. So we're just going to keep going at it and just kind of see where this thing lands, man. Yeah, we're doing it for fun. Man. It's freaking great. We, and, you know, it's it's amazing for us to talk to, you know, legends. And uh, and we're talking to, you know, our idols. We talk to people that we never would have got to talk to unless we had something like this. And it's it's, it's amazing. And it, what what happens when you inspired by something, man? Even even if it comes after a few drinks. So, <laughs> man, some of the greatest music of all times, man. People were high. Like we celebrate Woodstock, and everybody was stoned. Of course. <laughs> like that's the way to Ray Charles it, did. Ray Charles is a legend due to heroin. You know, <laughs> so. Over a couple of drinks in a uh, huge podcast, that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, so that show coming here in Nashville, man, there's, there's a bunch of them. You got DL coming, uh, uh, Charlie Murphy, Cedric the Entertainer, and and uh, man, there's a whole bunch of them. I'm trying to remember who else is coming. All on, all on one show? All on one show, what, yeah. Charlie Murphy, Mike Epps. What's $200? I don't know. They go on sale at six, so I'm going to get something up front. Maybe you can talk to these guys and tell them to come on our show since they're always calling me out on the show saying, oh, we got some white people up front here. <laughs> they should do some payback and come on my show and talk to us. Yeah, they should. <laughs> and if Bill, Bill's coming. Yeah, Bill's coming, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah I'll tell Bill and Bill. Oh, man. You know, Bill has his radio show. You can always hit him on Instagram. He the, uh, the real DL, yep. real DL Hughley. Yeah, I've seen uh, seen about everybody. Cat Williams, uh, Dave Chappelle, man, I just love to go to see comedy and laugh. You know, you work your ass off all week long, and then just to get out somewhere and laugh and hang out and have a good time, and you can't beat it. Not, not at all. That's why I do it. <laughs> is there anybody that uh, <laughs> is there anybody that you're still looking forward to meeting up with that you haven't yet? Somebody that uh, when you're like idols, that you're like, oh man, I want to do a show with him. Man, most of mine are dead. Nah, let me not say that. This is this is a guy that I would love, man, to sit in the room. You know, that I I take whatever the time he has. I would want at least four hours, but I will take whatever he has. Dick Gregory. Oh yeah, yeah. And I would I would love to sit in the room with Dick Gregory. You know that would that would be great. I would have loved to sit with Ted Kennedy. Just talk to him. Um, Don Cornelius. 
You know, a lot of oh, these, he hit a lot a soul of train, baby. Ain't that right? Yeah, he's on Soul Train, yeah, man. I remember watching that every Saturday morning. I mean, on Saturday morning. Brilliant mind, man. He had a br- and and you know, I would I would have loved to talk to George Washington Carver. Yeah, a lot of history, historical people. You know, man. I if I could have got a chance to be around um, Rodney Dangerfield, I would have loved that. <laughs> oh yeah, he's freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to be around Rodney Dangerfield, man. What about like Red Fox? He, yeah, Red too. Rodney was he. I take a lot of things from different comics, and I'm not. I'm not talking about as far as material. I'm talking about as far as things that they did. Rodney Dangerfield had a show on HBO, and he put on a lot of comics. It wasn't just about him. Mm. He wanted a bunch of other comics to succeed. He didn't really just want to be the only one. And that's basically what I do with anything that I do. I don't, I don't want to be the only one. I want to be amongst the ones, but I don't want to be the only one. You know, I want everybody around me to be successful, and then we can come together like a rat pack. Because all the rat pack was successful on their own. You know, just like the Kings, the comedy, all of them were successful on their own, and then they came together. So that's one thing that Rodney is an example of that. And Phyllis Diller, she was so determined to break barriers, like with me here in Houston. I won't leave until I actually blow up, so to speak, Um, because... It, it was a saying. It was somebody said this to me when I first started doing comedy. It just made me this. This just I thought it was the stupidest saying of all times. That a prophet is not honored in his own home. And I'm like, that's dumb. Why not? That's how other people start to honor you when you're honored in your home. Don't everything start in the home first? Oh yeah. And then it filter out into the world. I, <laughs> How you treat it at home and what you learn at home is how you are treated in the street and you allow people to treat you in the street. Is, is that not the right philosophy yeah, or right. is it me? If more people live by that, there'd be a whole lot of less uh, crazy shit going on in this world. Take care of home first. So if you, if you, if you in your lo, in your location, if everybody listening to your podcast in your location and they're talking about it and then those people are going out and they're talking about you because this is something that's connected to their home. So then you become bigger because the people at your home respect what you do. And they talk about you. That's how I thought yeah. T.I. and any other grassroots situation starts somewhere first and then it grows from, from there. So why wouldn't a, uh, a probably be out in his own home and dumb? So... Here, I sell out a lot of shows when I, when I come here. I mean, when I'm, when I'm in Houston, people come to see me all the time, no matter if I'm at the improv or I'm at my weekly room at Diallo's or Fat Boy. They come see me regardless because it's not the same show. What I do at Diallo's, I don't do that at Fat Boy's. What I do at Fat Boy's, I don't do any of that or Diallo's at the improv. Two different shows. When I go to the arena, I do a whole different show at the arena. Two different vibes, two different places, different energies. Like, uh, where can anybody go get information for uh, your shows? Uh, 
material for sale, like shirts and DVDs and stuff like that? Man, I have a ton of CDs. I, um, my philosophy was when I put out the CDs, because most people, when you're having a hard day and you want to listen to something funny on the way from work, you just pop it in the CD. Most people can't watch a DVD while they're driving, um, or you have to wait till you get home. So I have three DVD, I mean three CDs that's on um, iTunes, and I have a Pandora station, and you listen to me on Fox, Jamie Foxhole, or satellite radio XM, or you can go on AliSadiq.com. Um, my material up there. I have two new albums coming out, uh, one independent like the other three, and then one with Comedy Central and YouTube. I put up YouTube clips uh, every once in a while from shows. I just recorded um, two new shows, so I'm going to start putting out clips from from those. So that, that'll be on my YouTube channel. I put every, I put a lot of stuff on Pandora and um, iTunes. Yeah, we checked some of your stuff out on YouTube, man. Some good shit out there, man. I was laughing all day today. And, you know, this is, uh, uh, Comedy Central just put up... Um, 12 minutes of um, my uncensored thing from um, This Is Not Happening with Ari Shafir. And then I did a three-hour um, podcast with, <laughs> with him. Ari's, Ari's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he He's a crazy person. Um, man, I, I'm, just, I'm just so anxious to put out a lot of different... And I have actually seven other albums that I had recorded that's just sitting in my trunk that I never put out. I, just, I still have them on the, on the database base. I'm a, I may start leaking them as old albums. I'm getting ready. I know I'm going to get ready to put one on vinyl. I'm going to oh, do one cool. of my albums vinyl. Yeah, I had, a, I had when I was a kid, I had Bill Cosby, and he had the chicken heart. Have you ever heard the chicken heart from Bill Cosby? <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that used to trip me out. My dad would play that like every Christmas or something for some fucking odd reason. But yeah, I remember that on vinyl. So you my know. first album was the Richard Pryor one when I was about eight or nine. I don't know what my mother was doing. <laughs> Give me that shit. Yeah, back I, then. I don't know, man. But that, it used to scare me with that damn chicken heart going down the hall. Dun, 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 dun. I loved it, man. You re- you remember which Richard you had? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the bicentennial. I knew, I knew it. That's why I said you're trying that. Trying to get me to say it. I knew it was you're about trying to mess you up. <laughs> I knew it. That's why I said it. So underhanded. Uh, Which one did you have? I don't know. You set me up. <laughs> that shit was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, my mother gave me that when I was like eight or nine years old. It was crazy. Man, yeah, I had bicentennial. I had Superman. When he had the Superman cape on, I had um, Blacksmith. <laughs> oh, what else he had? Lives of Sunset Strip. Oh yeah, I had that. Um, man, um, Bill, I had himself. Um, what's the other Bill I had? I just got a Bill on vinyl from somebody. I don't remember the name of Bill, the one that Bill had out, but I mean, it had that chicken heart on it, and I, it used to, when I was real little, it used to scare me, and then when I got older, it, you know, it became more funny. But it used to scare the shit out of me when I was little. Yeah, um, Flip Wilson. I had Flip oh, yeah. Wilson. Man, I, I, I saw that. Bruce. I saw that Flip Wilson show on one of the cable channels the other night. I was watching that. That was funnier now. Man, it it's a man. There was some. There was some great 
some super great comics, man. Yeah. It's, it's just, the comedy is so rich and so full of freedom. The freedom to say, you know, whatever you want to say, whether it's tasteful or not tasteful. You just deal with the consequences of that. But the freedom to say, the freedom to express, you know, by yourself. You know? Man, we got something that we do here called the hustling round where I'm just going to ask some questions that don't make a whole lot of sense, but you kind of just throw whatever pops up in your head. You, uh, you good for that? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Best food in prison? Oh, uh, cold spread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought he was going to say mystery meat. I would right. guess commissary. Uh, cold, a cold spread is the best thing in prison. You want to know what the cold spread is? <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't sound too good, but yeah, go ahead and tell us. Uh, um, cold spread is, um, yeah, you know what Jack Mackey is? No. It's like mackerel. It's like mackerel in a can. Oh, okay. Kind of, kind of like salmon croquette. Ah, okay. But it's in a can. You take the skin off. You pour the juice out, and you 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 mix it up with sandwich spread like tuna fish. And you mix it, and you mix it together. You put that on crackers, but you add uh, ramen noodle to it to yeah. thicken it up some more. And mustard. Cold Did y'all throw mustard in it? We used to throw mustard in ours. Yeah, you put mustard in, you had mustard, but we, we always had sandwich bread. You, you must have been a federal penitentiary. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> what about, uh, you know, y'all had gray poupon. No, in, in no. The we didn't have no gray poupon. You know, I was in level four, so you didn't get that. But uh, I'll tell you, it was, uh, we used to, you know, uh, mix the Raymond noodles up with the tuna fish and the mustard and the little, uh, peppers, tear it down. So. Yeah, man, that that's a cold spread. <laughs> we call it dip. Because see, a hot spread, you eat <clears throat> this with roast beef and chili and the beef soup and, and all that. That's hot spread. You put cheese in that. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm back on the hustle round. Hustle round. All right. Favorite Wayne Brothers, and you can't say Tommy Davis. Favorite way of Damon. Damon. All right. All right. This one's a tough one. Biggie, Tupac, or Vanilla Ice? Biggie. <laughs> favorite rock group besides the Doobie Brothers? Nirvana. Nirvana. You say favorite rock group of all time or favorite rock group? Your favorite rock group, yeah. My man, damn, it's so many. But I said Nirvana, you say right off the top of your head, Nirvana. Yeah, That's a good one. Okay. But I got, but I have several more. You have Def Leppard, you have Pink <laughs> Floyd, oh, yeah, you have, um, you ZZ Top, you had, man, um, you got a lot of rock groups. Yeah, there are a lot of awesome ones. Yeah, a lot of good ones. What about Hill Hillary Clinton, Jeb Bush, or Carrot Top? Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Over Carrot Top? Oh, my God. <laughs> Over oh, <a> Carrot Top. <laughs> and, that was, and, that was, and that was hard to say. <laughs> I guess so. That was God. very hard to say. Me picking a woman over carrot top, <laughs> that was hard to say. Man, I should have threw a Dave Chappelle in there or something instead of carrot top. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, your favorite drink? Favorite drink, margarita. Oh, shoot, that's mine too. All right, we'll have to hit some margaritas too when you get here, man. Yeah, when you, you got to come to Nashville. We're going to get you on this yeah. show. You got, we're going to get you to Zanies. We're going to somehow. We got a good Man, idea. I like a mean margarita, man. We 
could get out here and uh, drink some margaritas and shoot some guns and stuff, and we won't tell anybody. Well, time. Oh man, you talking? You talking now? I know it. Man. Guns and cross, guns and crossbows. You talking now? <laughs> and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a good time. We got and a good margar- guns. That, that we should be on. We should go on tour. Guns, crossbows, and margaritas. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. All right. What about uh? What do you do when a Mexican has boots on? Man, you rock. You try to see what he gonna kick you with. <laughs> he gonna kick you with. Uh, I listened to that on your that website. Was, that was awesome. Man, that was that was actually so. It's so many true stories about Mexican Mexican riots because you get caught in you get caught in it, and then once you get once they know who you are, you get respect. I remember when the Mexicans and the Crips got into it, and it was like. Four or five of us in, um, Muslim brothers in, in the wreck yard, and they came in and they said, Hey, brothers, could y'all excuse us? Cause you know, we got some business to take care of. Is it okay with y'all first? And he's like, What happened? Like, somebody stole something. I was like, Hey, it's theft. We got, we, us five left out, and they, and they jumped it off. But I was like, Man, this is, this is the thing, man. You can't steal in prison. That's what we don't respect. No. Even a bunch of thieves not respecting theft. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of ironic, yeah. Well, you know, there's some shit you don't do in there, and the stealing's one of them. Dude, that, that, used to be a, that used to be the funniest thing to me. I used to say it all the time. A bunch of thieves not respecting theft. Boy, you cannot steal. We do not respect. You cannot be any type of molester, and you cannot steal. Don't steal. Ask, but don't steal. Stealing is a, is a, is a, is a consequence to that. It is a dire consequence. What it's about like third, a third world country? <laughs> cut your fucking hand off. <laughs> what hand you stole it with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh? What about your uh, favorite stress reliever? Favorite stress reliever? Yoga. Hot yoga. Hot yoga. My wife does that. Man, that's why I go. <laughs> she says all they do is fart in there. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Farting in a hot room. I, it just it just doesn't sound appealing to me. But I do like yoga Sir, pants. I love yoga I, pants. I give you I give you this challenge. You come to Houston, I'll take you to a yoga place, and I guarantee you'll love yoga from that point on. Because <laughs> it ain't about it ain't about the stretching. This is about who's stretching. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> get us some margaritas Man. first. Yeah, well, give me some margaritas. Let me go into hot yoga and see what goes down. Man. Oh. All right, I got Great one time. more for you, man. This one's a tough one. Your favorite podcast out of Nashville. And we'll give you a hint that we're called Straight Hustling. <laughs> man, you know something? This is a podcast and I did. You know, first when I first started, you know, trying to do my thing, very supportive. I think that's called straight hustling. I think you know, three guys. One must didn't say much. One didn't say much. <laughs> yes, Stu. <laughs> <Stu. laughs> we keep Stu on lockdown over here. Man, this man, this, man, y'all guys are, are wonderful, man. It's, it, at, at one point, I started interviewing y'all guys. Like, <laughs> I think I can do this podcast shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Put the script on us. Brother, we're, we're making it up as we go along. It's a freaking, we're loving the ride. Hey, man, this this is the best type of conversation. I'm I'm excited about any podcast that anybody asks me to do. And you guys, some of them, some of them have been really cheesy. And you guys have been extremely original and extremely, extremely genuine. This is a very, you know, sometimes you do interviews with people and it feels stuffy. Like it's just question after question. Then some of these questions are saying, where did you start? Where did you start? Man, damn, did you listen to any other interviews that I had prior to this? You know, you asked me to this. Well, I don't want to know what I fucking read on the internet. I want to know what it was like. Do you know what I mean? That's what we, we want to know yeah. what, what it's like being a star, what it's like hanging with rappers, what you, you know, what it's like when you walk out in the street and someone actually knows who the hell you are that you don't know who they are. See, I don't have, I've never, yeah, I've never been where I walk out, you know, in a grocery store and somebody go, well, hey, aren't you? You know, and I'll be like, well, yeah, because I fucking know you. You, you just know? get that from the police around here. Well, yeah. that well, When they do it, I say, no, I'm not him, of course. But, yeah. uh, you know. It, it's a weird it's a weird thing because you, you, get, you get so much and people scrutinize. Now, it, it, now you're under the scrutiny of how people view you. You know, I got a, got a real nasty message today on Facebook, <laughs> you know, about something, you know, that I, um, I said. And I know the guy didn't really know the whole story because in most in most podcasts and most interviews, you're not giving a whole complete story, detail for detail, what actually happened. You're just telling the gist of the story. And the guy, he, man, he went off on me about what I said to a clerk. And I still don't think the policy makes sense. He didn't see the whole you know, the whole thing, and because he's a clerk and he's had a hard time from some people, the man told me that he wished that I called aid <laughs> because I said something to a clerk. And this is what he said that I said that was very harsh to the lady. He said, this is what, cause this is the, this is what happened that he didn't agree with. I'm in this popular chain of stores, and in this chain of stores, their policy is this. I went to get some cigars, some backwood cigars, and the lady asked me for my ID. And I said, for what? And she said, because I have to check your ID. I said, why? Because you don't look over 40. And I said, how old do you have to be to buy cigars? She said, 18. I said, do I look over 18, though? <laughs> And I said, what the hell 40 got to do with 18? Say, because if you don't look over 40, I have to ask you for your ID. And I'm like, that's a dumb ass policy. That's a, look at the age gap between. <laughs> and I said, it doesn't make sense because anybody who knows anything about human beings know that a 40 year old Asian man doesn't look like a 40 year old black man. A 40 year old white man doesn't look like a 40 year old Mexican man. It's different looks of 40. So this is very uh, subjective if you looking at it, you know. So the man said, well, you talking to a lady who doesn't have any power, you should be against the policy of the store, X, Y, and Z. And I said to myself, no, sir, because this, if, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm a clerk and the power is in my hands, if somebody looks over 40, I don't have to call them, right? <laughs> right. 
So I do have a power to make a, 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 a decision based on what I know. Does this person look over 40 to me? So how could uh, uh, anybody arrest me, I mean, or or fire me by saying, why didn't you call that person? To me, they looked over 40. It's opinion. Yeah, it's, 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 based on what my eyesight look, what you was looking at, sir. <laughs> so, so, so basically, I'm like, ma'am, this is what he said that I said was hard. I said, seeing how if you can't make a decision, ma'am, that's why you will always be working at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that at all. And the crazy thing is, he said. I, that was harsh, no. what I said. So, because I wish the lady to have a job for eternal <laughs> life. Now, I'm harsh. <laughs> Cause, and this is the fact. I said something, I said something along the same lines to a lady who was working at the door of the DMV. I came in, my wallet had been um, taken, and I came in, I had a military card, a military ID. And I said, you know, can I go in with a military ID to get a new license and get new ID and whatnot? She told me, no, I needed to have a birth certificate or a social security card. And I said, that doesn't make sense that you wouldn't take a military ID. I said, ma'am, I can, I can probably get a birth certificate and a social security card. From anywhere. Downtown. Because it doesn't have a picture on it. So you don't know if it's me or not. But with this military ID, I say, I flipped it over. I said, you see how this says property of the United States government. And then I flipped it back. I said, it has my picture and my social security number, my weight, my height, all of this on this. I guarantee you can't find somebody with one of these unless they've been in the military. And she said, well, we still don't take it. And I said to this, I say, that's why you always be greeting people at this door, because you can't make a good decision. Yeah, they may be I went, and read, I went and read the policy of what they take. Do you know that they take military ID? <laughs> she just didn't know it. And she didn't care to know it either. Because guess what? If you on a job, if you on a job, on any job in this world, on any job in this world, even with this podcast, if it's something that you do not know, do you just go on your own brain or do you ask somebody that you know may know the answer? Oh, man. That's my number one rule, and it's too. That's my number one rule. If you don't know what the hell you're talking about, then shut the hell up and ask somebody. Sit back, listen, this, and when you know is when you speak. Or unless you're me, then you talk it's anyway. It's easy to ask them somebody. Hey, it could have been this. Customer service could have been this. Oh, I don't know, sir. Hold on. <laughs> Let me check with who? My supervisor, my manager. Anybody that's on the inside of this door because they higher ranked than you. <laughs> well, at the DMV, that's about seven people sitting there taking a break. One of one person's trying to figure out they don't know what they're doing. That happens a lot of, in all kind of industries now, though. Everybody, you know, it's too much work to find out. They just drive me Everybody, crazy. Everybody's lazy. Not everybody, but ninety percent of America's lazy. Everybody's fat and lazy. I think I don't know. I'm just fat. I'm working my ass off. Yeah. 
That's, that's, a oxy, that's an oxymoron. You, if, you, if you were working your ass off, you wouldn't have a fat ass. But, you know, uh, I'm eating as much as I'm working. <laughs> the drinking oh, don't well, help. You, you're eating more than you're working, I guess. I don't know. Because my ass is so fat, it's making me sick. No, I'm yeah. doing a lot of work, but I sit down a lot. So uh, you, you, you That's no, There are no successful balanced people. Oh, yeah. None. This, this lady argued with me about that one time. She got really upset with me. I said, there's no successful, balanced men. It doesn't exist. And the lady said, I don't know what type of man you are, and I don't know what type of men you know, but my husband is very balanced. <laughs> but you know what, and you know, and you know what I was going to say? He and I didn't want to be this rude. He's and I did not, not want to be this rude. So I did not say, I kept my mouth closed. And I could, this was, I was thinking, if your husband was balanced, then you wouldn't be fat. That's what I was thinking in my head. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn. See, he must be doing something else because he ain't got no time to help you shape that shit up that you got going on. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't say that. I let him make it. But that's what I was going to say, though. He's balanced as long as he does whatever she, the hell she says. It's I'm, all good. I'm top heavy. <laughs> I don't know about you, Ali, but I'm I'm in shape. I just chose round. <laughs> Man, I'm just I'm just straight up and down now. I used to be I used to be one ninety. Now I'm like one forty and people always ask me if I'm sick, am I okay? <laughs> like Because I got healthy it's something about being being black and doing certain things. Like I can't jog anywhere. I live I live in a predominantly white neighborhood. I don't jog. I watch my neighbors jog all the time. So for some for some reason when I'm jogging I happen to be running from a crime scene. You know what I'm saying? I ain't gotta stop. Sir sir, we're looking my, for you. <laughs> sir, we're looking for someone who just robbed his neighborhood. We're looking for someone what they look like, you. <laughs> and this is, I done been arrested by my neighbor. My neighbor's, my neighbor's a cop. He pulled me over. Oh, Jesus. I was like, wow. And look, you, and then on the other end of that, black people real mean towards you too when you do things that you're not supposed to be doing as they think. I was, um, you know, and once again, hang with white people. This is what happens. They influence you to do things that you wouldn't do. I went out and got a bike and all this, a helmet, did a little click on thing. So I'm out cycling, you know, one day. And then the report comes where people are saying, oh, y'all see Ali? Is he okay? I think he lost his truck because I was cycling. That's awesome. Oh, so I got shit. my truck got impounded yeah, and I was cycling. The only reason you be out riding a bike is because your, your truck got impounded. That is jacked. <laughs> that's just that's it's, it's hard on both ends, man. Well, we don't do much jogging here. I don't. Even, uh, I don't even watch the joggers. I you don't even watch joggers. No, I don't. I don't oh, jog man. and I don't watch them. Man, look, it's too much work. This is what you have to do. I don't. You never watch joggers around a popular college. I see. <laughs> that a, might be a different thing there. It's a it's a college out here. And there's two places out here in Houston where people jog. And the sites 
are just amazing. Um, Rice, it's called Rice University. People jog around Rice because it's in the middle, the heart of the medical center. And then Memorial Park, man, it's amazing. You would sit out there for hours watching joggers run by. <laughs> Just yeah, female joggers. Female joggers are wonderful. <laughs> salute. Yeah. I salute all female joggers and outfits. <laughs> oh, man. Well, man, I, we definitely got to get going. We got to get up early in the morning. Man, it was awesome talking to you, man. We can't wait to do it again. Hopefully, we can get you. I'd love to get you here in Nashville, man, at Zany's. We're like, going to try to do that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, yeah. you know, we're going to put bugs in her ear. We're going to uh, tweet the shit out of them. They follow me on Twitter. I am going to tweet the heck out of having you come to Zany's. Man, I'm, maybe, maybe you can, you can direct them to the link on YouTube to this is not happening. Okay. And they type my name in and they, they can see my, this one Comedy Central thing or they can go on show. It, it's so much stuff out there on me, but maybe they haven't seen the person, the power that be. Right. You know, like, ah, y'all gotta watch it, view it, view it, view it, view it. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes... I, I thank you guys so very much, man. Yeah, we appreciate it. Sure. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if we were coming in to listen to a bunch of comedy, but man, it's a lot of, a lot of comedy and a lot of deep thoughts, and it's awesome, man. Can't wait to talk to you again. We'll stay in touch. Thank you, man. Thanks a lot, Ali. All right, appreciate it. All right, thank you, brother. Thank you. Y'all have a great night. All right, All right man, that was a great show. Ali Sadiq, can't wait to try to get him to Zany's Nashville here. I'll definitely go see that. Uh, Money Mike, tell me who we got coming on next. Oh, coming up next, we got uh, a kickboxing legend, uh, Rick the Jet Rufus. He's been all over the world kicking people's ass. We got a uh, former NFL great, Bernard Wilson. Uh, he's a personal friend of mine from high school. I can't wait to talk to him. He's probably kicked some ass. Oh, I'm sure he has. Yeah, I seen him kick a few back in high school, but they ran away. You know, he's a big fella. And if you got any comments for uh, StraightHustling.com, why don't you leave it with uh, Stu here. Hey, everybody, be sure to check us out at StraightHustling.com. That's S-T-R-8Hustling.com. Hey, uh, anytime you want to leave a message, we have a comment section. Be sure you post it there. We'll get back to you and uh, try to get some questions answered for you. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Hit all our social media links. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. And uh, we appreciate y'all listening to this. All right. You guys leave the comments and quit sending all them pity shots to us. We're out. Good boy.